This episode is brought to you by Audible. Audible is the first place I go to keep my business skills sharp. They offer over 150,000 books on business, finance, planning, and much more. They also have a great selection of fiction that keeps me entertained when I'm just not up for some serious content. I love it because I can buy a book, download it to my iPhone, and listen while running errands or at the gym. Get your free trial at freelancershow.com slash audible. This episode is brought to you by CodeSchool. CodeSchool offers interactive online courses in Ruby, JavaScript, HTML, CSS, and iOS. Their courses are fun and interesting and include exercises for the student. To level up your development skills, go to freelancershow.com slash CodeSchool. This episode is brought to you by ProXPN. If you're out and about on public Wi-Fi, you never know who might be listening. With ProXPN, you no longer have to worry. ProXPN is a VPN solution which sends all of your traffic over a secure connection to one of their servers around the world. To sign up, go to ProXPN.com and use the promo code TMTCS, short for Teach Me to Code Screencasts, to get 10% off for life. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 147 of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Curtis McHale. Hello. Eric Davis. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from DevChat.tv, and this week we're going to be talking about consistency in marketing. Now, Eric, you kind of recommended this topic. Is there a direction that we should go in first? I think a good thing is just to look at like, you know, a lot of people look at marketing as like an activity, like I'm going to go market or I'm marketing at this moment. Um, and they don't look at it as like a process or a system, you know, so like it's really easy to get busy or to like think of, oh, I just don't have time for it. And you just don't do your marketing versus like actually like, oh, no, this is a system just like doing my books or brushing my teeth or anything that you have to do, you know, every day or every week. And I think that kind of, that gets people started on the wrong path. And so they don't market and then they get themselves in a lot of trouble, like just not getting clients or not getting the clients they want, that sort of thing. Um, and so I think looking at it from that point of view is actually a good way to start because that kind of wraps it. Yeah, that makes sense. What kind of systems do you have in place? Is it just a matter of like scheduling time to do it? Or are there more systems that you can put in place for this? I'm, I'm asking this question knowing that I have an answer to it, but I'm curious to see what you guys say. Yeah, I think that's a lot of it is making sure you have time, making sure you give it not just time, but actually your energy, you know, so, you know, end of the day, I get really tired. It's hard for me to do like a lot of creative stuff and delegating marketing to that time is actually bad. Like I've tried it and just it didn't work. So I make sure like at certain times I give myself, okay, I'm at my peak creatively. I have a couple hours set aside. This is when I'm going to be working on whatever marketing campaign I'm doing. Um, and the other part is just kind of looking at it as I'm building the system. Like I'm, you know, this might be a blog post I'm working on right here, but this is going towards, you know, building a readership on my blog or I'm writing an email article and it's not just I'm writing an email article so I can send it out. It's I'm trying to build relationships through my email list or to have content and share stuff. And so how is this piece that I'm doing connecting to the larger whole that is, you know, my company, my brand, uh, that sort of idea? Right. Now, I really like the idea, and this is something that I've started doing, is that my Mondays are my marketing day. So I wind up spending a fair bit of time on Mondays working on, you know, whatever it is that I have to be working on. So, you know, sometimes it's marketing for a product and sometimes it's marketing for um, my freelancing services. And it seems to work out really well. The reason I do it on Monday is mostly that I have a mastermind call at 9 a.m. And then I usually have something come up in the afternoon. And so it's not a great day work day for client stuff because it involves a lot of context switching. But I have found that for the rest of things, it works out pretty nicely just because when I'm working on marketing stuff, you know, if I have an hour at a stretch, then, you know, that's long enough for me to really get something done. You know, then I can context switch, you know, in other words, I can move on to a different task because the marketing tasks typically aren't longer focused bouts of work in the same way that the client work is. And so I can jump in and I can say, I'm going to write blog posts from this time to this time. And then I'm going to do this other thing from this time to this time. And, you know, I can time box the work on those things and, and make it work out for me. Right. And this is a habit I'm trying to break. Every Monday I set aside two Pomodoros, so about 50 minutes of work time, but it ends up being about an hour of actual clock time. And that's to write my newsletter. And then I give it some kind of a cooling off period, do some other work, come back to it, and then do editing on it, you know, put in links and load it into my email program. And the reason, like I said, I want to break this habit is I'm doing it on Monday because the newsletter is going out early Tuesday. And so like, I don't give myself enough like actual slack time in between it. What I would like to do is like shift that exact process to like a Wednesday and then be able to 
have my editor come in, do her edits on it, and then get it loaded for the next week. Um, but yeah, like, you know, setting aside, you know, an hour every Monday, it's been for the past few months, at least I've been kind of just at the wire. And then I usually do a couple other things on Monday, like maybe I'll get some blog posts, you know, that I already have written, ready to go loaded on my blog with like the, the big featured profile images, or um, maybe I'm doing some A-B tests and I'll check that, but I'll usually pick a couple tasks that I'm doing that are all contributing to like, you know, whatever my monthly marketing goal is. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, I am a little bit curious. You, you mentioned uh, marketing campaigns, and you just mentioned marketing goals. So you're not doing the same kinds of things every week or every month, or are you doing some things that are the same and then you know, changing the focus on other efforts? So it's a little bit of both. It's I have a certain consistent thing, like I'm almost always writing on my blog and my newsletters, and that's because in the past I found those produce really good results. Um, the campaigns are more of like either one-time events, kind of like what I talked about earlier, but they're larger than I'm doing it. It's like it might be like a launch or something, or they might be like I'm experimenting with something. Like uh, one of the newsletters I run, Freelance G, for two and a half months, I think, I was experimenting with doing a podcast where I was kind of giving the editorial stuff in audio form instead of just in a, a text email. And so I had a campaign. I was calling it a campaign. Of like I was trying it. I was trying to get the process going, seeing how it would work. And I ended up canceling the campaign and stopping it because of it just the time and the cost and resources I was putting into it wasn't paying back. And I felt like I could take that time and put it to something else. So I basically did that campaign for, we'll say, two months, figured it wasn't producing the results. So I scrapped it, took that time, put it to something else. Right now I'm doing a lot more of like the content marketing, a lot more writing. You know, I'm working with my editor a lot more to get stuff, you know, out the door instead of sitting on my hard drive. And so that's the campaign I'm working on. And if it proves to actually work really good or if I can find a good process or system from that, I might incorporate that into like my daily or weekly routine and then I'll take up another marketing campaign. So the campaigns are kind of like trial by fire. Like let's put this into practice, see if it works. And if it works for me, keep it and then move on. That makes sense. Uh, what kinds of things are you doing, Curtis? I do too. So when I'm launching a product to have a like a specific campaign. And actually Eric and I were talking about this yesterday. And for that, like for my coaching and my product size business, I will actually be doing kind of like a tree of campaigns. So you'll initially sign up for my email list and get like a one set of emails being the trunk and then you can kind of pick the branch. So if you want to talk about client marketing or pricing, then I'll have an email thing for each one and that will take you to the end of a product, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but for clients, I'm actually using Contactually which I just started using uh, probably about 30 days ago now. And it, I actually put all the freelancers in there. So everyone, like all you guys on the show, all the emails that I have are in there as well. I just ignore it when it tells me to email you because I talk to you weekly because um, I have followed up with you, right? Mm-hmm. In that, in chat. But it reminds me to follow up with people all the time. It has already earned me about $14,000 in the first five days. Thanks. And yes, I know Eric ignores me, he says, but... Yeah, because it was a client that I, like a deal I had just let go and I hadn't thought about in a while and yada, yada, yada. And I came up and I was like, I forgot to email them. And I emailed them. And I totally would have kept forgetting. I would never have remembered that. You can actually, and it actually sets itself up very similar or can be set up very similar to the um, not getting things done method. Michael Port's book. Book yourself uh, solid. That's the one. <laughs> book <laughs> yourself solid. So like I have buckets for warm prospects and warm prospects get followed up on like every five days for a while and then every 10 days for a while unless they say no. And then they get moved back into prospects and then freelancers, anyone who's emailed me specifically, not just people that get on my email list, but anyone who's actually replied and emailed to me gets into my contacts and then I follow up with them and just ask again. And so that looks like I was talking to someone that came that way, like as a freelancer asking about how I do estimates. And it looks like that would probably be, uh, I don't know, uh, we'll say a forty to $80,000 job maybe. I was just talking to him this morning about it. So again, if I was to win that, I never would have followed up with this person. And I followed up asking about his estimates. If I was to win that, then Contactually would easily pay for itself for nigh on forever, right? <laughs> yep. So I have to wonder, I mean, you know, we've talked a little bit about having systems like Contactually and we've talked about scheduling time for some of this stuff. But one of the things that I've been working on lately is, um, and this is more, well, let me back up a little bit. So it's more along the lines of product stuff, but I think that there is something there for people who are trying to land clients, which I'm doing that too. But I've been actually working out a system like a kind of a marketing funnel, but I, I don't think it's as formal as that, but really just the process I want people to go through to sponsor the podcasts. 
So just sit down and say, okay, well, if they listen to the podcast and they, you know, they come to the website to figure out how to sponsor, then, you know, I want a link there that takes them to this page. And then they, you know, they see the openings and they can pick one and basically sign up for it without me having to be as involved, you know, and things like that. And so I'm, I'm working out the steps for it, if that makes sense. And I've, I've kind of done the same thing with bringing people into my system as far as finding clients. So, you know, they find my website or they email me, you know, and so then I just know what the next step is, you know, okay, I need this information or I email them back if they filled in the contact form. So I'm working out those kinds of systems so that I know what the steps are, what, you know, so I get everything done and do it in a way that makes it easy for them to buy from me, you know, be it my time or podcast sponsorships. Do you guys have systems like that for different aspects of your marketing? I mean, it just, it kind of does sound like lead funnels, but kind of mixed in with processes. And if that's the yeah. case, then I have a few of them I can think of, you know, where it's depending on who it is or what they need or what they're looking for. Like they'll fall into different buckets or they'll have different things. And some of that is even manual stuff. I get just, I know like I need to do this activity by hand and, but it's the idea of I have it documented. And so I know like, this is what I need to do. This is the next step. It's not a, an ad hoc, like, well, I guess you could just send me a check and we can work on it like that. It's like, no, let's, here's an invoice. If you like it, if you like the contract, sign it, you know, it's, it's a step-by-step thing. Can you walk us through one or two of those or are they kind of secret sauce or I don't know? Yeah, they're not that secret. It's more of like, I'm just trying to remember what would be a good one that would highlight. I guess basically the one that would probably be the most valuable is how like consulting clients come to me. Uh, so either I'll find them or they will respond to some kind of, you know, marketing thing I have, or if they're on my email list, like they'll reply and say like, Hey, I'd like to do some work with you. Um, the first step, depending on how I came across them and how, like, if there's a relationship there, or if I feel like we need to kind of build a relationship, I'll basically start with like a, a short email of like, the whole point of it is like, what's the number one problem you're, you're trying to solve? Or like, what's the big thing that's causing you pain right now? And then they'll reply, like, our business just isn't working as good as it could or something like that. And from there, I'd be like, you know, I'd send another email, try to get them to refine that if they didn't. And then usually by the third email, I'll have like some questions to be like, you know, hey, I'd like to work with you and I'd like to have a call, but first, can you answer some questions for me just so we don't waste time on the call? And this is like, do you have a budget? Are you, um, in a way, are you the one who could actually sign the check? But it's a, it's in a phrase in a better way. Uh, the basic qualifying questions that um, I've talked about before and you could find anywhere. If they reply to that favorably and answer the questions, then I send them a template email that says, okay, here's my calendar, book a 30-minute session, we'll have uh, what I call the intro call. They book that. The intro call is just either Skype or phone. We talk. I start out asking about their project and then I get into like, if there's any kind of questions or anything, like maybe their budget is low, but it's kind of like it could work. We'll get into that and I'll, I'll tell them about how I bill, what I think about their project. Like if they're going to need more work than they have budget for that sort of idea. And this whole process for this point is to just see if they're qualified. Like, can I help them? Like, do I know have the skills to help them? Would I want to help them? Like, is there a fit between me and them? And then do they have the resources? Like, could they pay me? And also, do they have the time? Like, do I have schedule open for them that they need for a deadline? If that works out by the end of the call, I'll do like a short pitch of like, hey, what do you say we start with like a week of work? Um, and then say they accept it. The next stage of the process is I send them a contract with uh, which is my master services agreement and my statement of work. And also typically send an invoice for the first week and say, if this looks good for you, sign the contracts, send them back. And you can pay the invoice either by check or by a link for credit card. And it's, it's like, once that's happened, I'll book the date that we talked about on the phone in my calendar and we'll get started. And so that's basically my entire process from like someone saying, I want to work with Eric to actually, you know, getting to work with me. And then there's some more about when I get started, but that's, I don't want to take too much time on that. But the whole point of it is I can look at almost any, any lead I have and tell you where they're at in the process. And maybe they're like stuck at a place, like maybe I'm following up and they're just not responding. Um, and I know like, okay, now they're in this little sub process and I just kind of keep following up with them and then either kick them out and say like, okay, it's not going to work out or maybe kick them forward or what I need to do. But it gives me clarity and so I can be kind of robotic at times for the process part and save a lot of my energy to be more creative. Like maybe on the call when I'm talking with them or maybe in my sales emails, I can you know, take what they gave me and kind of put a little bit of sales spin on it to kind of market it to them a bit better instead of just some dry template copy. Awesome. 
Eric, you put in the chat that it sounds like Eric stole your process. Is there anything that you do a little bit differently than that, or is it pretty you much that? You mean Curtis? Sorry. <laughs> I'm running on like three hours of sleep, so. <laughs> oh, check, check, check. More right. coffee. Anyway, I do pretty much the same thing. So every client has to answer my initial set of email questions, which I've talked about a bunch of times on my site. Uh, I'm actually going to be developing a product around them for release uh, in March as well. And then they also go in, once they've responded to those questions, I'll put them in contactually as well. And they go into a program which has that follow-up sequence. And I more or less follow up until they say no. And if they don't say no for a reason that sounds like they're crazy, then I'll put them into, so if they say no, but it's, you know, that we just don't have the budget for that right now, it's not going to work, or there's other another reason, then I actually put them into my prospects bucket there, which has me follow up them every uh, 60 days maybe. And I just ask, like, how, how's the, how are things going? And I ask them that every 60 days. And then Contactually also lets me, like, add articles to it. So I'll say, you know, add an article and send it to a client that I put into the e-commerce bucket because they had an e-commerce store. I say, here's this, I just thought it would be interesting for you, for your site. So I've done some of this before. Contactually just lets me manage it better. Gotcha. Now, one thing that I've run across is that, so I've been using Entreport for a while. I don't love it as much as I thought I would love it. But it has the option of either putting people into like an autoresponder sequence or prompting me to email them back. And I usually opt for the latter, but I'm wondering if you guys have ever used the former in the sales process, I guess, rather than marketing. But then we probably should tie this back to marketing. I no. haven't, but I've been really thinking about it. I recently, well, recently, uh, four months ago at this time, I switched to Drip. I was doing a lot of that stuff with like custom scripts and Drip now does it all for me. And I'll give a pitch about that later. But I've actually thought of setting up campaigns in Drip for past clients. And then like what Curtis talked about, like his prospect clients that are kind of, they said no, but they said like, no, not right now, not no, not forever. But I thought about putting people in that and then having some kind of automatic follow-up every 14 days or so and kind of phrasing it in a way where it's I can give them some value based on a, you know a certain topic but it's kind of still like hey if you'd like to work with me about this I can help you and so I've been kind of trying to identify like what are the core problems people come to me about or with and starting with those is kind of like what would be the campaign's topic about um, because I, I can do a lot of stuff and I don't want to actually like go out and just build like 20 campaigns of all the stuff I do and only have like three people in each one or something. But another thing I was thinking about with Drip of trying to do is connecting that. So like say I send out even like a, a free resource of like, here's a white paper I wrote about um, making your Rails app perform better. Try to track that in Drip so that Drip knows when they actually go to download it and have Drip send me an email saying like, hey, Curtis just downloaded that white paper. And so I would know like within five minutes of let me email Curtis and ask him what he, you know, like, hey, I saw you downloaded it. Um, are you still having performance problems? You know, or maybe a week later, follow up like by hand and say like, hey, I saw you download this white paper. I know we talked a couple months ago. You know, would you like to have, you know, another phone call where I can talk about some of the stuff that we discussed? And it's kind of a way to kind of have that personalized touch, but still use software and use automation to help like the more tedious tasks of it instead of like it's completely automated and people can tell like they're working with software and a robot and it's not actually you doing stuff by hand. And so I've I've thought about that. I haven't done it yet. It's more of just, you know, the time and resources to do that, trying to figure out what to do it on. Yeah. And so for me in contactually it does as it moves people through the funnels, it actually prompts me to move them to the next stage. So it'll remind me to follow up, but when I'm going to say downgrade them from a warm contact because we haven't res- they haven't responded to me and say, I don't know, it'd probably be like 90 days or maybe not that long, then it, it prompts me to move them back to prospects, and then I only follow up every 60 days or so. Uh, and it's got a little thing like if you don't want to sound like a robot or whatever, it's got you can make up your own templates or you can say, hey, tell me what to say about them. It'll take you to their Twitter profile and a bunch of other stuff. So you actually, so so it looks like you're interacting with them. I don't. know. It's like software-assisted personal interaction. <laughs> yeah, and I've had like, so I honestly, I even do this for people at my church, which sounds kind of lame because you think, hey, you see them on Friday. But like, I'm just never going to remember it. And the fact that, so I had a few people who be like, who have said like, I think it's lame that I do that, but I'm never going to remember it. The fact that I, I want to stay in touch with you, and so I'm going to put you in the way in a system that I know will help me do that. I actually care to follow up with you. That is why you're in this system or else I would just never remember because kids get sick and life happens or whatever. Do you guys automate anything in your uh, in your marketing processes like social media 
or things like that. I know Eric's using Drip, so he's probably doing some email automation, but I'm curious about some of the other systems, if you're using like IFTTT or anything like that. I use Buffer to keep my social media stream filled up with relevant articles because I read a lot of them. And so like I could dump 20 articles one night or I could spread them out over four weeks, right? So that's what I do for that. I think that's really my only automation piece, though. I suppose I also use CoSchedule, and it allows me to set up, like over the next couple months, it'll keep adding an article to Buffer for me so that it continues to get added there. And I do uh, like three tweets on one day about uh, about a new new content, and that's all through CoSchedule, and it adds it to Buffer for me, and it adds it to Buffer a week later, a month later, 60 days later, 90 days later, and 120 days later for me. And after that, then I have to manually go back in and do it. But that's all. The initial setup is all automated, and I can sit down and say schedule out all the social updates for a week for posts. Yeah, and I think that's important. That's something I've been working on or trying to work on different aspects. Is I have a lot of stuff automated where, like, it would actually do like the public publishing. Like, so I have a lot of social media stuff automated. Um, I have my blog stuff automated. I have a lot of email stuff automated. So. If you're looking at it from the outside, it looks like regular updates, like every day or every week or every few hours, depending on what it is. But in reality, I don't work like that. Like I spike on things. I get energy and just want to write and I'll write like three email articles or I'll write like, you know, 6,000 words of just different blog posts or ideas or essays or whatever. And then I won't do anything for like a week or two weeks. And so what I found is instead of like fighting that, instead of like trying to like force myself to write a blog post every day and to do social media updates every day and all that stuff, I actually put a lot of energy in when I have the energy for something and basically fill up like my queue or like a buffer of stuff and then take that and then let the software manage like it dripping out. And so I have these really spikes and peaks in my energy of doing things, but the software kind of makes it consistent. And so if you look like, I have a newsletter for freelancers that comes out every week where, I mean, I've been kind of against the wire where I write it every Monday, but for a time there, I wrote like, I think two months worth of content and loaded it up and then forgot about it for a little while. I think that's when I was writing a book. My email stuff, like I write the actual, the other newsletters, I'll write a lot of that in like a week or two, load it up and then don't touch it for a few months. And my social media stuff, the tools I'm using now, it's a lot like that tool bu- uh, buffer that Curtis talked about, but it's, you, it actually reuses things. So like if it's good content that you want to keep sharing again and again, it will actually automatically schedule it for you. So right now I have it set up. So I do, and there's like 10, maybe 11 or 12 different social media updates that I do every day, like every weekday. And that's all coming from a library of, I think like 300 or 400 or maybe even 500 updates that I created. But the thing is, is you don't see the updates happening, but like once every four weeks. So even though it is like kind of regurgitating things in a way, it's regurgitating good content, good things that I want to share. And you don't see it frequently enough to actually notice unless you can see behind the scenes. And that works because like I'll go off on a tangent and basically go through my Instapaper queue and read like 20 articles. And instead of sharing them all, you know, today on a Tuesday, those 20 articles will like slowly come out over the next two or three weeks. And so I, I think software and automation and even just, you know, standard processes really helps that because it kind of smooths over, you know, any rough spots and you can have the software be consistent for you. And I think that's an important thing. Yeah, I think we're using some of the same tools because what I've been doing is I've been building a library of basically the back catalogs for these shows. I mean, Freelancer Show has almost 150 episodes. JavaScript Jabber is about the same. Ruby Rogues has almost 200, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I probably have about 600 episodes that I could put into this library and just have it share them out on a regular basis. Yeah, I mean, I actually do like our shows, especially the really, really good ones that I love that I think it's not just like, you know, I'm here. So it's a great show. It's like, no, this is actually something that if I wasn't on the panel, I would probably keep and listen to every few months. I share those out in the same system, you know, so it's someone might not see it when I share it now, but they might see it next month. Yeah. And I'm not going to be cryptic. I mean, the tool that I've been using is Edgar, meetedgar.com. Yeah, same for me. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure it's the same for you. And uh, I am just getting into drip. And uh, I'm really digging the way that it, it manages all that stuff. And so, yeah. 
But anyway, it, it's really interesting to see how this all works out. And the nice thing that I like is that I actually have a set of questions that I've put into my social media library. So it's like, hey, what's your favorite Ruby Rogues episode? Or what coding practice does, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, and I've, I've got a bunch of those questions. And so I, I kind of trickle those out every day. I like having the interactions with with the audiences of the shows, but I don't want to stack a whole bunch of questions on top of each other so I can get the interaction that I want and then when they reply to those questions, then I can interact with them during the day on those particular things. And so there's just a lot there that you can do with this stuff that opens you up to talk to these folks. Another thing to think about too is especially with social media, like you're on a schedule, like I'm on a schedule, like I'm Pacific time and I actually I start work later because I run in the morning and then I might, I don't work nights or any of that stuff. So if I was to interact with East Coast people, like people on the East Coast that are leads or clients or maybe even just interested in my stuff, it's a very narrow window between when I start work, they stop work and lunches. But by using tools and using scheduling, I can have stuff come out, you know, six o'clock Pacific time. So that's nine o'clock East Coast time. That's going to be more likely for, for to reach them. And I, Personally, I have a lot of uh, international clients and people who aren't in the U.S. So there's times where you know they might look at my stuff and not be able to interact with me without like a big 12-hour time delay. And so by using some of these tools, using especially email automation, like I can still have this kind of the start of a, a relationship, start of an interaction with them. And in almost every single case, there's a way for them to jump out of the automation stuff and get to me directly. So. They can reply to an email. They can reply to me on social media and they get the, you know, it's, it's an actual one on one interaction at that point, but it's the starting of those conversations. Like it's kind of automated. Mm -hmm. The thing that I want to get to though is that we're not just putting stuff out there just to get interactions. I mean, we are, but ultimately, you know, I want to be able to drive the people who I'm interacting with, especially those who I can really help back to my website or back to that place where they can get the information they need so that they can do whatever it is they need done so they can get coaching or they can get custom development or whatever it is that I offer. And so there is somewhat of a funnel, but it's not, I mean, and I do have systems around a lot of this stuff or at least formulating them right now, but it's not so, I'm not afraid to break out of them a little bit in order to, you know, really understand the people that I'm interacting with. I'm curious, though, with some of these systems. So, you know, Edgar does the scheduling and stuff. Um, you can also do that with Buffer and some of these other systems out there for social media and email. I, I want to go a little bit back to blogging. Is there a process that you guys have for blogging? I know that both of you blog regularly. I sit down and write. Okay, but do you... I, <laughs> yeah, I, that I was guess, less than helpful. Yeah. Next question, please. Yeah, so so let me back up a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to start scheduling a time because I want to start blogging more often. So I'm going to start scheduling a time where I sit down and, and write blog posts. But in some cases, the blog post I'm working on isn't something that I can finish in the hour or two hours that I set aside. And I want to be able to release something on a regular basis, you know, every week or something. So is there a process that you go through to make sure that you are blogging on whatever basis, regular basis you want to? And the other question I have is, is there a process you go through to write a blog post? Um, well, you need a buffer. I mean, it's kind of like what we talked about a minute right. ago. Like, yeah, yeah. if you're trying to do like weekly posts, but you don't have anything available right now, you're going to have to create it and get it done. And, you know, it's a huge amount of stress and anxiety versus if you have, I mean, you could like, you know, start blogging now, but you don't actually publish anything for say six weeks or whatever. Right. You can create a buffer, a post, and if it takes you two weeks to write a post, you can kind of see like, well, the weekly is going to be hard. I'm gonna, my buffer is going to shrink. There's been times like I would sit down and be like, I need to write this week and I'd write a post, but I wouldn't get it done. I'd be like, okay, this should actually be a white paper or this should be an email series or this is a great thing. I'm happy I wrote it, but this shouldn't be public. Like this is, you know, not, not something right. I really want to share. Um, and by having a big library that I can draw from, I can, you know, smooth over the, you know, the, like the ups and downs and actually still publish publicly on a regular schedule. Right now, as of this recording, I've been doing weekly blog posts for at least a few months consistently. Those are actually from my email newsletter that I wrote like last year. I haven't written anything and put it on my freelancing blog probably in three months. Like this is all content that I wrote and has gone through my publishing, you know, system already because I'm saving energy. I'm putting a lot of energy into writing for my consulting business. 
Um, and that was a choice I made is like, I need to get the consulting business to a different point. So I'm going to use this good content I already have, put that in the buffer for the freelancing side and work on the consulting stuff. But if you don't have that buffer, you, you don't have the flexibility, you don't have as many options or freedom to do what you can. Yeah, I've got like three articles in final proofing stage. I've got um, probably 30 articles in progress, which means they, they're more than just a point to note. Like this would be a good topic. So I've written, I think I'm looking at one at 1700 words, but there's still stuff to write about it still and links to do. And then in my ideas folder, I've probably got uh, 150. Like this is just a point that would be interesting. Um, to write about with a link to why I think it's interesting. And, you know, I probably spent 30 seconds brainstorming it and that's it. And I've got the same for my agency site as well. Now I had to start that with no buffer because I haven't been doing very good. I haven't been doing any writing. So that's what I mean by not very good. None is not very good. But with that, I actually just started with the foundational, like what are the foundational questions clients are going to ask when they're coming for an e-commerce solution to me? Well, which one should I use? How much is it going to cost? What's the ongoing maintenance? And so I just blocked out over the weekend probably 30 posts. There, I put them all in the in progress at this point because there's no buffer yet. 30 points to write about that are all you know fairly easy topics for me to address that I can you know turn two or three in the time it would take me to write some, say one other one where I've got to do a bunch of research on and then get them out and build up that buffer for myself. And then I schedule out, like on my personal site, I'm scheduled out till, uh, I think new posts go into March now when I finish this. And I schedule that to Fridays. I put up new posts for the whatever week is currently upcoming and blank. So if you guys... So that also gives me, like if stuff happens, I don't have to write for three weeks if stuff happens. Right, I but in three weeks, totally then fine. you have to build that buffer back up, right? Feed yeah, it's very true. But again, even my buffer is so full, like... Say I have a 1,700-word article on some of the hardware that I use, and currently I need to write about the chair, which I could skip because there's nothing fancy about my chair, really. And that's about it, really. And put some links in. So for I me see. to finish that off is not that big a deal, right? I see. So I like to, for me to, if I said, hey, I have, I need content, and I wanted to stick that out, I could delete the chair, say, or I could even say, I didn't write about my chair because it's retarded. Done, right? <laughs> There's nothing to write about that and put in some links and that is out. So I could turn that around probably in eight minutes to have a new chunk of content. out. And I already have four that have gone through all of my own editing and read a couple times and rewritten a little bit. And then, so honestly, I only need this one post would fill up the next week if I just touched this up and finished it off. Oh, and okay. I'd have to like, really, when I write about my chair, it's going to be like, eh, it's just a chair. And I've got, say, 20 posts that are in varying degrees of that. Some of that will be almost done. Right, I need to just put in links, or I need to do it or final read, and then I move it up to the final proofing, and then I send it off my editing into the into WordPress. So, but I have say I have the buffer of say twenty articles that are say very close to being done. So again, that makes sense. I don't feel so bad now about the half written articles that I have in there. Cause... No, you should see my list. <laughs> so, so what's your process for publishing articles to your blog? So I wanted to touch on two things first. Okay. Uh, one, I mean, Curtis might disagree because I know Curtis is very much in the WordPress world and they have, they're very heavy on publishing calendars and stuff. But one thing is there's no real, okay, there's real, but there, you don't have to have a consistent publishing calendar. You don't have to put something out every week. Um, if you like it, like it works for me, I enjoy it. So I do it, but you don't have to do that. Um, on my actual consulting site, I don't publish every week. I publish when I get around to finishing stuff. And I actually will try to schedule time every week to do the writing. But that doesn't mean that there's actually something to go on there. And that's what I mean. Like I, like I might have like tried to write an article, but it ended up being a long thing that I want to expand on into a white paper or maybe even a full email course instead of, you know, just a one item. And so with that, I gave myself kind of the, you know, I was, kind to myself and like, I don't have to actually put out my newspaper or whatever you want to call it every week. Like I can, some weeks I can do four or five. Some of them I won't do any at all. Some will be just a bunch of white paper stuff. Some will be email stuff. But the point is, is that I still have like a consistent amount of, or I used to, I fell off the wagon from the holidays, but I had have a consistent time every week of, you know, sitting down and doing some writing, whether it's one Pomodoro of like 25 minutes or a couple of them. 
And I think if you're trying to get started, that might be the best way. Like before you commit to doing like weekly blog posts, commit to doing like a regular writing session, um, however long you can make it, however often, but you know, kind of build that habit first and give yourself the freedom of whatever you write in that session. You can just trash. Like you can say like, this isn't going to be published. This isn't something good. Or, you know, I'm going to, in editing, I'm going to throw away 80% of this. And I think once you start doing that, you'll start producing, you know, better and better stuff and you'll improve your writing skills so that the actual publishing side of it, like getting it in the public eye is going to be a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Last year, my goal was to write Tuesdays and Thursdays. And by the end of the year, I had been writing so much that I was just filling up most weeks. And so this year I said, I'm going to write five days or have content five days a week because one day is a video. But it felt like an effort at the beginning of last year. And it, like having extra content is easy now. All the, a bunch of the articles that I have ready to go uh, were actually written like, and I could have put up last week into that one week that is blank at the end of my chain right now. Yeah. And I was going to say, like, I've tracked like how I'm writing, like what topics I'm writing on and like how fast I'm writing. And I, I'm very sporadic at times. Like I said, you know, earlier with the energy levels, but I talked to um, a writer friend or he writes like that's his business. That's what he does. And I was telling him like, you know, over the past whatever year or something, you know, this many words written, I write at this speed. And he's like, wow, like that's actually writing fast. And I was looking back through my history and found that I've been slowly speeding up. So not only am I getting better and more comfortable writing, but I'm getting faster. And so, you know, I think the first step is just get started and, you know, get that baseline, figure out how much content you can produce, how good it's going to be, what topics you can write on. And once you have that, then you can see about like make it into a marketing strategy. And that's kind of what I, what I was saying earlier. Like, you know, I would do like a campaign, like do three months of like, let's start writing about, like Curtis was talking about, like, you know, certain problems with e-commerce companies or picking e-commerce systems. Let's see what you can do in a month of that. After a month, evaluate, you know, the content, the body of content you created. Do these work as blog posts or should they be email stuff or should it be a, a book or like a, a free PDF white paper you can give out? You know, see what it fits with. And then the second month, focus on those decisions you made and do your writing and see if you can actually, you know, write with a timeline. See if you can do every week and put out a white paper. Um, and it might be like this week you write it, next week you edit it, third week you publish it, but you have three of those, you know, kind of in the buffer at any time. You know, and give yourself, you know, a month to three months to kind of go through this. And I think you can, you'll be amazed like what you can change and um, how much you can kind of get built up in, in that sort of timeline. Yeah, I'm really digging the ideas that you guys are, are throwing out. Say so now I spend like know, probably two hours, maybe three hours a week writing, but I, I usually fairly easily do a thousand words an hour at this point or more. Yeah, certainly not uncommon for me to do a 2000 words sometimes in, a, in an hour. But that's after a year. And then even before that, I was writing, just not as focused. Um, I'll try to put it in the show notes. I'm not going to say his last name because I don't remember how to pronounce it, but Leo from Zen Habits. Um, Zen Habits is a really large site, a lot of traffic. Lot, I think he writes daily. I don't know. He started something. I don't know if he's still doing it, but he called it frictionless blogging. The idea was instead of having a process around like you write it, you let it sit, you edit it, you change stuff around, you don't like it, you hate yourself, you know, get drunk, you wake up the next day, rewrite it, edit it, publish it, instead of that standard writing process that most people have, he would write something, publish it, like actual, like this is now public on the internet, and then he would go back and edit it. And so like he was actually putting out a lot of content and some of it was really bad at first, but he would come back and have the pressure of it's public, I need to edit it, would do a quick edit, and then he would continuously edit a few times after that. And as well as like his readers would edit or send in stuff, and that actually freed him from having that procrastination of making it perfect. He was just putting out like basically an unfinished product and was refining it in public. And so if you have kind of, you know, perfectionist tendencies or you feel like you have this huge, huge amount of writing you've done, but it's never been published, that type of idea might work for you. I've started trying to go through, you know, my back articles that I have of like that I think is written, but it needs some kind of polish or edit and seeing like, of these, what could I put out there that actually has a, a concise thought that would actually be valuable just to kind of spur me to kind of get it out there. It's not doing anyone any value sitting here privately. If it's out there, even, you know, in a very bad edit form, that's going to give a little bit more value than if it's just sitting here privately. Yeah, now that I have an editor too, I'm like, I reread it to make sure it sounds like I want, but then I basically hand it off to her and I don't have to touch it again once it's up. A lot of what I write about, I get, we'll say, fired up about and I'll even block out like I'll take I have 20 minutes to write about this how much can I write in 20 minutes and I will write 
a lot in 20 minutes and then so I'm coming back to a post that is mostly done and needs a little bit of organization, right? Or fixed by poor spelling as I typed super fast because I had 20 minutes only. And I will literally just set a, a Pomodoro cycle for that. And that's it. That's all the time I have to do it. And, if, and then I just close the editor and walk away and keep doing what else I was doing. Awesome. I'm, I'm trying to think through exactly how I want this process to work for me. Like Eric said, the first thing you need to do, and the people that I've got to start blogging on their agency sites, is block out an hour a week. Mm-hmm. Take yourself somewhere else if you need to, to the coffee shop, and write for one hour. And do that for four weeks, and then start setting up a publishing schedule. Actually, do 15 minutes. Okay, 15, it, yeah, start it as small as something that you can commit to, I suppose. Yeah, make it, make it 15 minutes, because... Even at that, you could actually produce a smallish article, and that is that's something to be proud of. Like it's one of my favorite blogs of all the years is Seth Godin, and some of his blog posts are like a sentence long. You know, it's it's more of what value can you provide in that short of time. And actually, I think a fifteen minute budget would actually kind of make you focus a lot more. If you had an hour, you would meander through what you're writing or what you want to think about. But if you had fifteen minutes to provide value for your potential customers, that would be you know razor sharp honing and. I actually started journaling this year. I actually use an app on my phone to do it. And so I have to write um, two sentences up to maybe 50 words, you know, five minutes of writing. And I found writing on the phone because it's so hard and cumbersome. I'm very like, I'll just write something. Like, I don't care about it being perfect or sounding right because it's so hard to go back and delete. And so giving yourself some of these constraints might actually make it easier or better for you to write. You know, so maybe it's 15 minutes. So there's a thing called uh, morning pages. I think I can't remember the book name, but it's the idea of you wake up and the first thing you do after you uh, go to the bathroom is you write out four pages front and back, you know, on paper. Um, that's, you know, whether it's a book you're working on, whether it's articles you're writing or just kind of stream of consciousness journaling, you just write it out just to get out of your system. And you can, you reflect on that. Like, I think like six months later, but the process of writing will kind of get ingrained in you and get you better at writing. But I would say just start with 15 minutes. Do it every week at least. Uh, every day would be a good one, especially if it's that short. Yeah, you're not writing the next great yep. American novel, right? Yeah, that's true. And, well, and you might be, like, but if you are, we answer it's going to get edited. Yeah, we answer mm-hmm. basic questions. You think, oh, this is so basic. Who's going to ask this? Your clients are going to ask that, right? Well, and the other thing is, is that you know I've had blogs in the past uh, I've just been mostly focused on podcasts these days, but a lot of the more popular posts that I put out there were the three paragraph, I got this error. Here's what it meant. It wasn't clear. Here's what I did to fix it. You know, somebody else comes along and Googles that error code and, oh, oh, that, that fixed it for me too. Yeah. The big thing there is to figure out what market you're writing for. Yeah. Is that for your clients or is that for your colleagues? That's so true. on my agency site, I write about some very similar topics on my agency site as I write about on my personal site. But I think like I am writing this for some specific clients I am thinking of and how would they want to talk about these, you know, mm-hmm. very similar business problems that they have. Uh, and then I, you know, I mentioned some software solutions in there that could be assumed by the larger readership of my personal site. Because they all, most of them work in WordPress, right? And there's also a bit of meta you can do. I have it on my site, but pretty much I think any consultant can do it too. It's like, you know, why should you hire a consultant instead of hiring an employee? What are the costs with a consultant versus an employee if you do remote stuff? Why would hiring someone remote be a good idea versus local? You know, standard objections that every freelancer, mm-hmm. every consultant gets from clients. I had spent two weeks and wrote, I think it's like eight of them or something, and just put them on my site. And it's the idea of like all clients have these questions or have these concerns and I'm addressing them up front. And I'm actually, I'm considering, you know, putting them into kind of like a, a PDF, you know, kind of not a white paper, but a like, hey, you know, you want to work with me. Here's, here's a bit about, you know, here's how I feel. Here's, you know, what you might be going through, like more of a way to handhold them, at least at the beginning of the relationship. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm going to do with my foundational articles. I'm going to put up two different products, one for membership sites and one for e-commerce sites. And like, here's some of the top questions you'll have as you're starting this to get them into the top end of my marketing funnel. Well, now I want to go write blogs, so let's end the show. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Cancel the podcast. It's all writing now. Yeah, that's right. I mean, but that's the point. Like, We're talking about writing because... I mean, Curtis and I do a lot of writing, but you can do this in audio. You can do this in video. You could even make your, you know, consistent marketing being every Friday night at a certain coffee shop, you have like a business event where it's kind of like a, a not networking thing, but you know, that sort of idea. 
I, I, the point is that you have something that you're doing to help your clients, your potential clients, your leads, help them, educate them, give them value and con- not convince them, but kind of show them that working with you would be a good thing to do. You know, basically you're marketing um, and just however you want to make it consistent. That's what you need to do. It could be something simple like a monthly webinar or something you do every month, but the fact that it's there every month and that they can understand and know that it's going to be coming up, that's, I think, a good thing to do. Yep. Or it's it's more of a longer-term thing. Like I think if you can get to that in the long term, it's good. It's, to start out, the consistency, I think it's important to have consistency in your own habits, and then you can build the consistency publicly. Like we talked about with the writing, like write to build a buffer and then work on having a consistent schedule or whatever. I like it. So are there other areas that you can be consistent in in your marketing approach that we haven't talked about yet? Uh, your messages could be consistent. I think that might be a whole nother show, but that's if you have one ideal client, like what are their problems, how you're going to talk to them, how you address them versus like being scattershot all over the place, like talking to, you know, small businesses or providing software solutions, you know, where it's, it doesn't really get focused. It doesn't really tell them like what's the value you provide. Um, and then do you provide them value by helping them increase their profit or decrease expenses or expand or, you know, I think you can kind of have consistent messages of like, you know, I help small software startups grow their user base so they can get acquired. If you have that as your consistent message and you write or you create all your stuff, all your marketing centered around that value proposition, that would be a lot stronger than just being the scattershot approach. All right. Well, I don't know if I have any other ideas of things that people can do. I mean, mostly we've talked about it, you know, just with scheduling and then using software to kind of smooth things out so that you can get the most mileage out of what you're doing. Should we go ahead and do picks then? Yes, ma'am. All right, Curtis, you want to start us off? Sure, I've got three picks today. First one is a podcast that Brennan Dunn was on from Bootstrapped Web. Uh, and he talked a lot about getting leads and how he marketed his former agencies, whether it was be in person at the pub or following up and everything. That's a really good episode based on what we have. My second pick is I just released a free ebook called No is Not a Curse Word, which is a manifesto about running an awesome business. You can get that from my site off my email list for free. And then my third one will be Contact Julie, which we picked, uh, or I guess I talked about a few times. So that's a pick today because it's a very good client follow-up solution. Awesome. Eric, do you have some picks for us? Yeah, so I found that post I was talking about by Leo. Uh, it's on the Right to Done blog. It's called Frictionless Blogging, Removing the Barriers to Publishing. It's an interesting one. You could probably, if you Google frictionless blogging, you could find a lot of other people's ideas or how they actually put it in place. Uh, another one, I found this the other day. It's an older article from the Harvard Business Review called Performing a Project Premortem. So postmortem is basically when the project's done, like reviewing like what worked, what hurt the project, what might have killed the project, that sort of idea. The premortem, on the other hand, is actually having that kind of meeting up front and trying to look at like, we're going to start this project. What could hurt it? What could kill it? What could be, what are the risks involved? And it was interesting because like, I've never done that. And I think some of the projects I've worked on, if we did that up front, we would have had an idea going into it and been clear about like, we need to really make sure we address, you know, issues in this one area. Um, and I think if we knew that up front, we would have actually made better decisions or made different decisions that could have helped the project. So I basically gave you the most of the description, but the, the article goes into it in a bit more detail. Um, it's an interesting tactic. I'm considering doing it during like my, my kickoff meetings with clients when I start working with them on a project, uh, scheduling a bit of time in for that just to kind of, you know, make sure we're all on the same table. And it might be something semi-unique I can offer. Awesome. I've got a whole bunch of picks this week. The first one is, is I, I picked up an iPad mini, which has been really nice for me to be able to manage my to-do list and my calendar and things like that. What's nice is that I have OmniFocus on there, so I can just, you know, manage my to-dos, like I said, but, you know, all of the other stuff, so I can make sure that I'm getting all of the things that we just talked about done, and it has been really nice to just have something that's got a little bit bigger screen. My phone just wasn't quite enough for that, and anyway, it was, it's, it's been really nice to have. I also picked up an OtterBox Defender case, and the thing that I like about it is, one, it comes with like this heavy-duty case that you put your uh, iPad in. It includes a screen protector and everything on it. It's just part of the thing, and they guarantee it against all kinds of damage, which is really cool. 
And then one other pick I'm putting on a conference this week for JavaScript developers. And by this week, I mean last week when this comes out. You've missed pretty much the entire thing at the point that this gets released. But uh, we're using a system called ClickWebinar. And ClickWebinar is it's not a perfect system. And it's got a couple of issues with Keynote and with Macs in general. But there are workarounds for those, and it seems to be fine. But it's it's a terrific system. It has a chat room. It has a raise-your-hand Q&A where you actually enable somebody's voice uh, so that they can ask a question over their microphone through their computer directly to the speaker. You can also embed YouTube videos into it and stuff like that. But it's not quite perfect as far as presenter integration with the Mac technologies and it runs in Flash. So if you have an issue running Flash, then you're kind of out of luck. And then I just want to mention a few other things that we brought up during the show. Uh, Drip. I actually got an email from Rob Walling, who's the founder of Drip, giving me a whole bunch of ideas on how to do stuff with Drip. And I have to say that it, it really is kind of the, the power tool that I need for my email. And uh, Meet Edgar is kind of the same thing for, oh, well, it's not the same thing in the sense that it manages, you know, email campaigns for your social media, but it does do the scheduling and stuff, and we talked a lot about that. And finally, I was talking about this idea on entreprogrammers, and those guys pushed me to put up a landing page. So here's the basic thumbnail of the idea. Um, I'm putting together a monthly, I think it's going to be monthly subscription, where you get a box of stuff for developers. So if you're a programmer, then basically it'll include books, t-shirts, desk toys, USB stuff for your computer. I mean, all kinds of things that I'm looking at. Um, I'm working things out with several publishers and stuff. So uh, you should get a pretty good deal on all the stuff I'm putting into it. And if you have any ideas of things that you would like to get, you know, every month or every few months, depending on what we're putting into the box and what the theme of the box is going to be, then uh, by all means go to devboxclub.com and check it out. I'm only going to open up 50 boxes for the first run just to kind of gauge interest and see what the logistics are of doing that many boxes. And that way I can figure out how to scale up and what it's going to take to serve as many people as want them. So you're going to want to get over there pretty fast, get on the mailing list so I can tell you when I'm opening up the signups for the subscriptions. And those are all my picks. So... This was a really fun episode to do, and it's pushing me along the same vein that I've been going in, so I've got some ideas on how I can make my process better. Woohoo! All right, well, we'll wrap up the show, I guess. We'll catch you all next week. This episode is sponsored by Mad Glory. You've been building software for a long time, and sometimes it gets a little overwhelming. Work piles up, hiring sucks, and it's hard to get projects out the door. Check out Mad Glory. They're a small shop with experience shipping big products. They're smart, dedicated, will augment your team, and work as hard as you do. Find them online at madglory.com or on Twitter at madglory. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more. Would you like to join a conversation with the Freelancer Show panelists and their guests? Want to support the show? We have a form that allows you to join the conversation and support the show at the same time. Sign up at freelancershow.com slash forum. 